Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the bi-weekly podcast where we're taking a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my British soldier who builds a thing, but it's really about himself because of his self-worth and stuff. Palmer, how are you? That was way too meta. Yeah. I have no, I have no answer for that. Okay. You also don't have a British accent. What happened to your British accent? I, I lost it on vacation. Wonderful. Okay. Were you were you visiting Maine by any chance? I might have been. Well, cool. All right, anyway. Um this year uh this uh we are this year, this episode right. we are looking at the best pictures of nineteen fifty eight. They are as follows Witness for the Prosecution, the uh the bridge on the River Kwai, Peyton Place, Sayonara, and Twelve Angry Men. Yes. Can you guess what the best picture was this year? Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, you would be correct. Yeah. Bridge on the River Kwai. That's kind of known. It, it is known. I agree. It is known. Although, there's another one of these films that's that's fairly um, fairly well known. Can you guess what it is? Peyton Place. Peyton Place. Nailed it. Everyone lo- Everyone's favorite... Yep. Everyone's favorite movie, Paint in Place, yep. and all of its sequels and television <laughs> show. Great. Uh, let's actually start with Witness for the Prosecution. Okay. Directed by Billy Wilder, written by Billy Wilder and Harry Kurdnitz, uh, Lawrence B. Marcus, based on the play by Agatha Christie, starring Charles Lawton, Marlene Dietrich, Tyrone Power, and Elsa Lancaster. Lancaster. I'll say that. Uh, this is... Uh, this is a story about Charles Lawton, who is a uh, who is I don't want to say feeble, but he is an ill man. The doctors say he is an he is an ill prosecutor, yeah. uh, a lawyer, if you yeah. will. We see him coming out just coming out of the hospital. Yeah, he's just coming out of the hospital. He's not allowed to smoke or drink or, or have do sex. Anything, really. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> the doctors have told him to not have any fun whatsoever. And he's one of the best. He's one of the best lawyers in England, and he is told about this case uh, about a a man who has seemingly murdered an elderly woman for her money, and it's all about trying to get him off, cause uh, and stuff like that. And that's basically that's basically the story. Yes, this was an Agatha Christie book. Yes, I no, it was an Agatha Christie play. I already said that. Were you listening you? when I did my little... I zone in and out. Oh, great. Okay. Well, well I already know what the movies are. About. I know. That's true. <laughs> zone back in, all right? <laughs> um, I... Agatha Christie is amusing to me because I'm so used to seeing, like, high schools put on Agatha Christie, which can be kind of a slog because it's high school plays. Um you know, sometimes they're great, sometimes they're not. And if you don't have a good pace going for Agatha Christie, you know, you can it can get really tiresome. I loved the pace of this film. I mean, I I feel like you took a shot at high school actors. I did. Anthony Hopkins used to be in high school. Yes, good job. Have you seen <laughs> Anthony Hopkins in an Agatha Christie? Maybe. Yeah. Huh? Okay. Um, the pace. Yeah, the pace of this movie was awesome. I, I, I always, but my point with that is I always forget how 
quick witted Agatha Christie stories are um, and how, how amusing they can be, even though the most of them are dealing with, you know, murder and a mystery and whatever else Orient expresses um, murders of the alphabet, if you will. Um, Any of those things, Um, big mustaches. um, No one had a big mustache in this movie. I was kind of bummed. That's true. Well, that's because Perot wasn't in it. Um, the the big mustache is reserved for Perot. Yeah. Um, go ahead. This what is, were you going to say? This is actually the first Agatha Christie thing that I'm that I've watched or seen. Really? I'm almost positive. And then there were none. No. ABC Murders. Mur- no, Murder so on I've the Orient Express. I've seen stuff kind of based on. Well, like by the time this episode has come out, you will have seen, seen Murder, Murder on, on the, the Orient Express. Express. Right. Um, but like I've seen stuff that's kind of like takeoffs on her things. Like I've seen the Family Guy episode, sure, based on, um, and then there were none. Mm-hmm. I've seen, um, oh god, that Ten was, Little Indians, yeah, uh, also no, based off. And that, then there were none. No, I was thinking that really good um, uh, Murder by Death. Uh, it's a very good comedy. I've not like, seen that. Oh, that's a hilarious, especially if you like Agatha Christie and. Um, and like noir stuff. Okay. Hilarious. Um, so that being said, I was kind of expecting more of a slog. Oh, sure. Uh, and this is anything but like, this is probably the, f- the movie comes in under two hours. So it's not a long movie to begin with. No, it's not. And it's uh, quite amusing. Most of is. the time. Like, e- like, like for most courtroom dramas, I'm usually sitting there going, "All right, let's get to the courtroom." That's that's what I came here. That's yep. what I came here mm-hmm. for. But like the entire like opening twenty to thirty minutes when they're just in um, the lawyer's office, Charles Lawton's office, yeah, yeah, talking back and forth about you know what happened to him, what the events leading up to it. All of his various medical conditions and him trying to sneak a cigar. Uh, so great when he's like, here, hold this. I have to open the door <laughs> so, so my nurse doesn't see. Yep. Um, although there was, there was the, uh, the time when the, the assistant comes in and he's like, she says you need to get to bed right away or she quits. Give her a month's pay and then push her down the stairs. <laughs> This was a film where I I like I want to see more of Charles Lawton's character. Yeah, I want to see sequels of this. I want to see I want to see this guy. I want to see this guy from his youth all the way up to this <laughs> all the way up to this show, and then even beyond. I don't even care. He was hilarious. He was his character was so good in this movie. He's exactly the kind of character that I love watching in film. He's good at his job, but he's got like a wry smile. He doesn't take himself yeah. too seriously. Seriously, and he's and he's got a and he's got a a joke or a sarcastic comment for anything coming out of anyone's yeah. mouth. Um, he's you, yeah, I know. Yeah. we're both lovable. <laughs> yes, that um, that's it. So the one thing, I, one question I have uh, before I get into the rest of this is um, towards the end uh, where he where like he's going into court and he's like. Hold on, I need another. I need another cup of cocoa, and the and the nurse is like, "Give me that. That's not cocoa, and it is cocoa." Yeah. Like, do you ever see him switch it out? Because no, it's I think not I think. Cocoa. It, but you don't ever see him pour any alcohol into it, do you? No, you don't. No, so maybe he's actually just drinking cocoa. 
see, I thought that I was like, oh, that was you know he he did that, but like later on when he's drinking from there, mm-hmm. it's he makes it obvious it's not cocoa. Oh, I, I didn't notice. <laughs> Maybe he's got two because <laughs> that would be like that would be like him. Yeah, or he pours it in later. Yeah. You know, maybe um, he drinks the cocoa and then, like... Yeah. So, the theme this year, mm-hmm. if if there was a theme, was courtroom dramas. Yeah. What the heck? Three out of the five movies... Involve a courtroom yeah. in some way. Although, one one is technically a courtroom drama, then you never see the court. You never see the courtroom. You just see the Oh, that's true. Room. Yeah, you talk about 12 Angry Men. I wasn't yeah. sure. I was like, Peyton, Peyton Place? Place? <laughs> no. That, that oddly <laughs> enough, involved a courtroom. Yeah. Sayonara? <laughs> Um, I, so that's the story and that's, that's the story and those are the characters and, and whatever else, but the rest of the movie is where it falters. I thought the rest of it is fine. Like it was, none of it was right. The rest of it wasn't spectacular. It was what it needed to be. You know, the costumes were, the costumes were fine. The the music was there, I guess, if there was any. Courtroom is not really a... Right. Courtroom dramas generally are not made for, like, great cinematography. Unless they're Dick Wolf productions. That's right. (laughs) Um, I will say that I I really enjoyed the overall story and not just the characters. Agreed. Um, Good twist. So, like, I I don't necessarily... I don't necessarily agree with you. Like the rest of the movie's just fine. No, I'm sorry. I meant like the story, the characters, the act, like all of that was great. Right. But I mean like the other, the other, yeah, the, the mise en scene. The is... music is definitely off to the side because I couldn't tell you anything if there if it even had a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, like it was shot, it was shot competently. Like there was yeah. there was no flair, but no, it's just that that's what I mean. It wasn't yeah. flair, but but Oscar films generally have flair this, of some kind. This is nominated on the script and and the and acting, acting. Yeah. absolutely, definitely, and it won nothing. Wow, I know that's weird. I know, uh, but it did win. It did win a um, a superlative award. This movie um, stars. And I'm going to use the word stars loosely. Uh, <laughs> Bess Flower, who is the actress with the distinction of being in the most Best Picture nominated movies of really? all time with 23. Whoa. She Did plays, she play the, the, woman that, the old woman that got murdered? No, she plays woman in the courtroom. Cool. I'm going to – I don't know who she is, but I'm going to assume it's that random woman that has, like, one line. Oh, probably. Yeah. It it probably isn't, but that's what I'm going with. Um, Yeah, she has 23 all uncredited appearances. That's crazy. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I know. Um, So I I don't have any – I love this movie. I love that just like I loved this movie, but yeah. we're gonna, I, this is a film I'd watch again in a Oh, absolutely. In a second. In a second. I would – who who played the uh, the lawyer? Charles Lawton. Okay. I want to see more of his stuff. Definitely. Because I want to see if he's like that. I want to see if he's as good in other movies or if he was just really good in this character. Yeah. Well, I, he was uh, – he was nominated. He should be. Um I'm fairly certain he was as actor or, or a, supporting a, uh, actor. Well, this is it's really his. It really is, but sometimes it's finicky on what happens. Now, as far as the the conventional Agatha twist, Agatha Christie twist, 
there is a there is a new version in the works. Yes, I directed I and starring Ben Affleck. I love this movie already. Oh, I hope he plays the. I hope he plays the prosecutor. The. Uh, I. I, I, I would assume he's playing Tyrone Powers' part. No, he already did that in. Um, in uh, crap that that crazy girl movie, Gone Girl. Yeah, no, not Gone Girl. Was it Gone? No, not Gone Girl. Oh, it's gonna bug me for the rest of this episode. Okay. Um, but the twist in this movie, I. I kind of pieced together and then I kind of moved on from it. So by the time it revealed, I'm like, oh, yeah, I thought of that. Oh, well, it was still good. Yeah. 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 You've seen Charles Lawton in something before. I, I don't doubt it. He was uh, Gracchus in Spartacus. I don't I don't think I've ever seen Spartacus all the way well, through. Well, you will. I know. I <laughs> yeah. Will. Um, yeah. Either way, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving okay. on uh, to arguably the best film, Peyton Place. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know exactly who's going to make that argument, but I'll listen to it. The director, Mark Robson, might. Uh, <laughs> directed by Mark Robson, written by John Michael Hayes, based on the novel uh, by Grace Metalias. Yeah. Starring Lana Turner, Lee Phillips, Lloyd Nolan, and Arthur Kennedy. Um, this is a film about a very small town in Maine called Peyton Place mm-hmm. that has secrets. Secret, um, secret, secret things. And um, it's it, it kind of follows... It kind of centers around this the school and and the kids and their families and the new principal and kind of how it's it's definitely that movie that's like you you the old adage of you you don't know somebody else's life you know right. you can you can you don't know what somebody else is going through at home and that's kind of what the movie is about mm-hmm. um you know this you know, this girl's being abused by her stepfather and her having to deal with that and, like, really abused. That kind of came out of nowhere. What yeah. is it with these movies? You no, know it, rem- it reminded me exactly. Of a uh, worse version of Johnny Belinda? Of Johnny Belinda. <laughs> yeah. Ten years later. Yeah. It reminded me of Johnny Someone Belinda. was sitting there. Nine like, years later. Someone yeah. was sitting there and was like, remember that movie that didn't win the Academy Award a few years back? We need to do that again. Kind of, but involve more people. Right. Like, small Small town, you know, small town, small minds. Yeah. This movie suffers from... Everything. Kitchen sink syndrome is actually what I was going to say. Okay, can you because, expl- explain for the be, audience? Because there was everything in this movie, including, I'm pretty sure at one point, a kitchen sink. Explain explain for the audience. There's just two... The story, the story if you could call it a story is too broad, encompasses too much, and comes off feeling very episodic. Uh, Yes, I I definitely agree, which is why I think it made a successful television show. Yeah, like I could see this being a television show, and maybe I could get into the television show, but every like 10 minutes it seems like there's a problem that crops up and it's handled like two seconds later. You know what, it has the pro. it has like, adaptation problems mm-hmm. where it's like let's take this 
let's take this well-known, well-known work and, and boil it down to two hours, two and a half hours. And that gets very, that gets very complicated. Um, because a book, a book has room whereas um a film really doesn't yeah and 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 you can kind of see it also i wonder if they if they for one i find it very hard to believe that this was adapted from a single book um it was really like this is not a series of books i don't believe so because that's what it felt like it felt like someone was trying to adapt like three or four different books into one story rather than Picking out one plot line from a from a book and going with that, like it, it just well intricately layered, um, intricately layered books mm-hmm. can have that, or stories can have that problem. I guess right, you know where when everything ties together, you have to figure out. You no, know, this reminded it reminded me of the usual vacancy, um, J.K. Rowling's first book after. Um, after Harry Potter, okay, which is it's basically small town in England has secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, picture perfect place ends up actually not being picture perfect. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, maybe she drew inspiration from it. I don't know. Um, I'm looking at it. It's a it's it's a one it's a one time book. Okay. Yeah. Um. So the writing to me, like the the acting's good. The acting's decent. Yeah, Even the I think kids so. Are pretty good. Um, you know, it was very, I like, because this is very like cliche fifties. Well, yes. The I think town that, and the character. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Right. right. It's like, oh, it's New England. It's perfect. Everyone knows each other's name. Yeah. Hey, I think the idea is like this, like, is leave it to, like it's, it's, it's right. It's, it's, they're taking what, what is essentially like leave it to beaver. And what if the beavers had a secret? Right. But it's just, it's overwhelming. And if you take the last, if you take the last, like, half hour to 45 minutes, like, the, mm-hmm. the story of... Um, the trial. The trial, but I was trying... Sabrina? Is it Sabrina? The teenage witch? No. The... Mather? <laughs> the, the, Cotton the Mather? The on trial. Yeah. <laughs> Cotton Mather. She is not named Cotton Mather. <laughs> it begins with an S, and I'm pretty sure it's Sabrina. Sure. Um, like, if you took that storyline and expanded it out the two hours, then this movie, I think, becomes a lot better. If you're focusing on one thing, and then you can still kind of have these side characters, but to give every side character... Selena. God. Her name was Selena. Yeah, Selena Kyle. I was going to make a Catwoman joke earlier. Yep. Anyway, um, so like instead of giving everybody their own kind of plot line, mm-hmm. if you kind of minimize it and focus it on her, I think this movie can do a lot better. I completely agree. I was more invested in the last 45 minutes of this film than yeah. I was in, in, in the rest of it. And I like small New England town stories, you know, like, and I like, you know, here's the idyllic town and it's got a secret. I like those kinds of, and I like intricately woven plots where characters kind of come in and out of each other's lives. I like all of those things, but this is so broad strokes, like big broad strokes with a brush that I, it didn't, it didn't really do it for me. The one thing I really did like about the story 
is at the end when Dr. Swan kind of calls everybody out on yeah. everything and his his speech is right on for if you've ever lived in a small town or you work in a small business and it's it's like almost like crucible esque his his speech is right on that never happened that's never like here's the bad thing no, about that no it's a movie of course no i know but like his, his speech is right on but the bad thing is like five seconds into his speech he would have gotten thrown out of the witness box oh sure <laughs> Sure. No, excuse me. I have to say this speech. Um, no, that's you're in court. Yeah. And, the, and the judge is like, no, 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 let's hear this out. Yeah, but it's small, <laughs> idyllic town, which means it's somewhat idyllic film at the yeah. same time. Um, so that being said, I did like I did like his character, and I did like the actor playing Swan. Um, that was a he was really good, um, and I did like. I did like uh, the principal. I liked the principal quite a bit. I liked the 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 stuff at the beginning where it is kind of like these are my principles because I'm the principal. Ah, uh, I get it. Um, and and you know, like when he goes to see the teacher who thought was going to be principal, and they kind of form this working relationship. The problem is that, like, like I said, it's this broad stroked. Right. Everything it, gets solved within five minutes. Right. Or it's or it's never re- it doesn't ever really come back to anything mm-hmm. um even if it's not solved it kind of leaves it lingering a little bit and like yeah. oh you can assume it was solved i mean i i, I don't I, see why this movie gets nominated nine times got nominated for nine I, academy no, awards i that's that's a lie no it's not nine like, academy awards maybe costume maybe Nine Academy Awards. Were they all costume? No. <laughs> the I think I, if you, I did, like, did kind of like the music. The music's good. Cinematography's good. The um, you know the the sets and the town and everything. It's all it's all good. But I I think if you took out a couple of stories, yeah, and then and maybe just focused on say the principal and selena yeah i'd be more i'd be more invested even though their stories don't really connect together i i would be willing to say if you focus on selena's story and allison if sure. that was the name of the main character right other what was supposed to be the main character i would assume you talking about the 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 girl the girl that you talking about betty and no, uh, no, no, Betty. No, no. Oh yeah, Allison the, Allison, the daughter. Yeah, yeah. Betty was the one that was going out with the uh, with the rich kid. Yeah, Lana Turner is her mother. Right. Yeah. Um. So, like, if you if you gave us a little bit more background on Allison, who's the narrator of this movie, like mm-hmm. her, her, because like her issues with n- not having her father, who who's been dead since she was like two. Mm-hmm. And her mother, who never quite moved on, like that kind of mirrors a little bit. It juxtaposes nicely with the with the per, with uh, Selena, who has an abusive stepfather. Sure. And I think I think you can connect those two stories better if that's what you focus on, and not everything else. I agree. Um, yeah. So this and the time frame of this movie is just is broad it exists in time it sure does like like they keep doing scenes and then they skip ahead three like this hops from like holiday to holiday almost yep Mm -hmm. yep i agree um like you said 
I've never seen the show, but I'd be almost. I'm almost inclined to try it to just try it out just to see. Be- it probably fits because I think the characters were interesting, and I think yeah. it given more time, the the rest of the stories could also yeah. be interesting. It's just a very condensed version of an intricate story. I mean, that being said, I did pull a Tim when I started to watch this movie and fell asleep. I, I accidentally watched 15 minutes of Return to Peyton Place, <laughs> which is the sequel. Which, by the way, is a better 15 minutes than almost this entire movie. Um, because maybe I'll the, watch it. The characters are already fully formed, and you get that from the movie. I was going to say, so, and you got that having not seen Peyton Place. Right. Interesting. Because it takes place, it takes place when Allison's book about the town is coming out. Oh, right, because Allison wants to be a writer right. and blah, 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 blah. Right. So that being said, Peyton Place... It, it's not horrible. I'll joke about how much work it was to get through, but I don't see why I don't see why this movie's nominated. And this definitely has a lot of flaws. It doesn't necessarily do. I don't think it's really doing anything special at this time. Like some of the themes that it's tackling, we've seen in movies that came out ten years previously yeah. or nine years previously. Yeah. Uh, so it, it did tackle the controversial. You know, if you kiss a boy, that means you had sex. Theme. That's right. You know, I'm telling you, it's it's like the adult Leave It to Beaver. That's that's the best way I can describe it. Um, next film on our docket, Twelve Angry. Ah, I get it. Docket. Okay. What? Uh, what the term they use in court? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> the next case on the docket. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> didn't didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Unintentional <laughs> pun. <laughs> Whew. I I was doing a court case today, too, actually. Maybe it was just in my brain. <laughs> anyway, uh, 12 Angry Men, directed by Sidney Lumet, written by Reginald Rose, starring Henry Fonda, Lee Jacob, Martin Balsam, and John Fiedler. Uh, this is a story about 12 men who are on a jury uh, for a murder trial. And they're angry. And they're angry. Well, some of them, not all of them. And... Um, it's just it's them deliberating the trial in what could what seems to be a very clear cut guilty case, and then maybe it's not so clear cut. Mm-hmm. All because Henry Fonda is just like, well, maybe he didn't. Let's just have a conversation instead of sending a kid to die. Right. Let's just have a conversation. Yeah, because the judge does say right at the beginning, if you come back with a guilty verdict, he's dying. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Mm-hmm. And so and so there's just a just a. a question about just a question it, I, this i've seen this film before so have i okay um i love this film i liked it the first time i saw it you didn't like it this time around i didn't like it as much and we're being very good about not spoiling these movies today i don't I, like this because i i don't know why i don't know why we're not we're, i don't we're think just, we're, I, it just hasn't come up yeah um so my biggest problem with charles this, lawton did it my, Allison I, murders the whole town. Okay, <laughs> she pulls a carry. My, my biggest problems in this movie that I found watching it the second time is one, Cobb shouts every single line of his dialogue. Sure. And I want him dead. He's, I want his wife dead. <laughs> I want his cat dead. Yeah. Just kill the mayor. Two, this had to have been the worst tried court case in human history and they kind of they kind of make note of about how bad the lawyer was for the defendant oh yeah 
But like, you know, like some of the basic questions, they're like, he's guilty. Well, what if the old man couldn't hear well? Hmm. That seems like an obvious thing to find out. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I've never, I don't, I've never really, maybe because, you know how some movies when you've seen before, so you don't take the time to necessarily analyze them. Right. You kind of just watch it again and go, yeah, I still like it. Yeah. You know, um, I wasn't really thinking about it that way, but I guess you said they do make a, a, a mention of it being a, a poor case. And I guess uh, along those lines, if everything is so perfectly laid out, there's really nothing for them to deliberate. Right. And, you know, when they think it's well laid out, which is where the, the beginning, like the guilty of it at the beginning right. comes from. Um, so I don't necessarily mind that they're kind of figuring things out on their own. Which is which is fine. I just feel like the questions, the questions that make this case unravel mm-hmm. are just obvious questions. Like, it's not like he sat there and was like, there's something about this one testimony that bothers me. Mm. You know... It was just – it seemed to me just very obvious stuff. So, I mean like the knife – like the knife is – it's actually – you know what I think is – some the one thing I will complain about this film is that some of the – like it, like that one guy just happens to know how to fight with a knife, like with a switchblade yeah. in the room. You know, th- that's the – things like that, you know, like they just happen to be an expert in – some of these areas that right. surround the case. That's like the like the guy who is an expert in advertising there, Clark Kent. Oh yeah, that, exactly, exactly. He did look like Clark Kent. It was the gla- It was the horn room glasses. It was for sure. Um, I don't know if he was list- and and the big Superman S on his chest yeah, the whole time. I don't know if he was listed in your uh, in your stars breakdown, but this also has the father from Problem Child. Um, it might have, but I don't know who yeah. that is. So I, uh, I'm not also looking it Jack up. Don't Clark care who I love. Look, I can't. There's only there's twelve of them, and I not Jack all of them. Klugman. Also starring Jack Klugman. Right. There, are you happy? Who's in easily the greatest Twilight Zone episodes? There was time now. There was time. No, that's to the that only, guy. That's the only great one. That was Mer- that was Meredith Burgess who played the Penguin. That's Meredith Burgess. I haven't seen that episode since I was a kid. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was married. <laughs> I haven't seen that episode since I was fourteen. Like, oh my! God. I didn't know that was married. I have to rewatch that episode now. That's oh God, that's yeah. awesome. I had no idea. Oh, <laughs> that's that's great. Yeah, I'm You're so welcome. happy. And I've seen the Twilight episode since then. Yeah, I just ha- haven't watched that episode. Yeah. So back to Twelve Angry Men, which didn't have Murder Um, it was good. It was okay, and I think. I think the problem was I saw this after I watched Witness for the for the prosecution, so I was like, "Ah, this got eclipsed by a better oh by movie. a better courtroom drama." Well, yeah. I mean, this like you said, this really isn't a courtroom drama; it's a jury room drama, right? But I mean, it's still trying to figure it, out. It's close, yeah, yeah. It's close to it. It kind of tackles the same subject of somebody, you know, maybe being wrongly accused of murder. Sure. Um, I did like I did very much like the cinematography in this film um because you have to make one room work mm-hmm. you know it's otherwise it gets really dull really quickly mm-hmm. so the way that the the way that it shot um the kind of the 
kind of the 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 close ups kind of like bringing in the the heat and in the tension in the room i think all that really works and it it starts with a single uh tilt shot of the courthouse mm-hmm. kind of like looking at the the immensity of the like the the monumental task in front of them right one of the things it does as far as cinematography um is at the start of the movie and the, or in the beginnings of the movie, the the cinematography is done as such to try and to try and convey how far apart the jurors are. Sure. And as it becomes more tense, and they start they start realizing that cinematography kind of closes in to show them coming closer together to a consensus. Oh, that's that's excellent. I yes. didn't I didn't realize um, that this movie is shot very well. Yep. Um and I like most of the actors except Cobb who had to shout every single line. I think that was his maybe it could have been it could have been the direction given to him. It it probably was, but what I'm saying is th- there's a time and place and it got on my it the it got character on got on my nerves. Um and then the other one it's going to be sacrilegious to say this, but Henry Fonda I wasn't too keen on in this movie. It's, I don't think it's his best role. Uh I think, he's, I think he's very good in it, but and, I don't think it's his I best. Think, and I think some of it might be the writing of the character. A little flat? A little flat, a little one note, a little, like, he keeps saying, like, just suppose, just suppose. Well, they're, they're, they're all one note characters. Yeah. You know, there's the only one who really grows is Cobb. Um, so he's the, you know, I mean, technically they all grow because they go from... Um, you know, spoiler, guilty to not guilty, but technically they're all growing in some capacity, mm-hmm. except for Henry Fonda. Um, but I don't think that's the, I don't, that's not necessarily the point. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like the room's journey, not their personal journey. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it does. Yeah. Um, this movie was nominated for three things and one nothing. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I, I liked this movie quite a bit, but I can also see why it's not Best Picture winner. You know, it's got one of those like, oh, you just made it qualities. Like, yeah. Like almost like a Frost Nixon quality. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you're real, you're good, but you're just missing something. Yeah. I don't know why. I think this, I know this is a, this was initially a episode on an anthology series. Then mm-hmm. it got made into a play, and then it got made into a movie. I think that's right. Yeah, um, I think this. I want to see this play. I think. It, I think this would work better as a play. Definitely. Do you think it'd be Twelve Angry People now? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would still be called Twelve Angry Men, but it would not be like men in the in the genetic sense. Mm-hmm. It'd be like men in terms of human race and human in humankind. Let's move on to our next film, uh, Sayonara, directed by Joshua Logan, written by Paul Osborne, based on the novel by James A. McLenner, and starring Marlon Brando, James Gardner, uh, Patricia Owens, Red Buttons, uh, Miyoshi Meki, and for the briefest of moments, Ricardo Multiban. Yes. Con that himself. Well, that well-known Asian actor, Ricardo, Ricardo Maltabon. 
What oh the my heck? sweet lord. What the heck? Anyway, so let's before we start before we talk about that, um before we talk about the the extreme level of racism that this movie is, um the the movie is about racism and <laughs> and so I, ironically I don't, even, I don't even think that's what the movie was about it just kind of happened so marlon brando plays um he plays this air force person and with the world strangers accent and with his marlon brando voice and um I don't know why I actually didn't mean to start doing a weird Marlon Brando <laughs> impression. I just said, oh, and I just went with it. Um, plays this Air Force guy in the Korean War. Uh, and they are, I had, to, I had to question that for a second in my mind, like when this movie took place. Um, and they, he and his buddy, who is James Garner, yes? Um, no, his buddy is Red Buttons. Red Buttons. His buddy is Red Buttons. Uh, um they get transferred to Japan and basically the whole movie is about American military falling in love with Japanese women, but it's illegal for them to get married. No, they can get married. They just can't bring them back to the States. They can't bring them back to the States. Right. Yeah. Um, And to clarify, this movie lists, lists the Japanese people as indigenous. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yes, they like when uh, when the high ranking officer is like, "We need to make a law about us falling in love with the indigenous people." I'm like, "Really?" Well, I mean, they are technically. <laughs> I I know, but it seemed it seemed weird. Like Indigen- no one ever really in- uses the term indigenous. Indigenous is om- not a derogatory term, but you use the indigenous people when you're describing, say, like cavemen. Yeah, yeah, that's not. It's not really the word that you would use anymore. Yeah. Locals, I think, is what you would use now. <laughs> the locals. You know, or the Japanese. Yeah. Perhaps call them by what they are. Anyway, so... Um, so, Red Buttons falls in love with with a woman. Yes. And gets married. Yes. Much to the chagrin of the Army and uh, Marlon Brando. Uh, the Air Force. I'm sorry. The Air Force and Marlon Brando. Because Marlon Brando is, like, chief among the racists at the beginning of this movie. Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, and he's in – Marlon Brando's in a relationship-ish already. With a with a general's daughter. Right. Uh, and boy, that go by the, the, the sideways. Yeah. Yeah. They both fall for indigenous people. So keep telling, take, keep telling me the story. I'm tired. <laughs> um, so – Marlon Brando falls in love with a actress, singer, dancer mm-hmm. um, that he that he sees who is Japanese, and suddenly his racism. I think you is mean cured. indigenous. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly his racism is cured because that's how it happens. Yeah, right. Love, love yeah. conquers everything. Love, obviously, love conquers everything. Yeah, good, yeah. close enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's. Let's the elephant in the room is Hey, hey, hey. Is My cat's things. not that big. There's <laughs> a few things. One, you cast Ricardo Maltabon to play a Japanese. Alright, yeah, we need to talk about this now. <laughs> what the heck? Okay, so he gets pretty good billing for his <laughs> for his two scenes. His or two three. is basically three scenes. Mm-hmm. His in his kabuki outfit, yep. changing into a different outfit. 
and then his one scene of dialogue, basically. I mean, he shows up here and there because he ends up in a quasi-relationship with the general's daughter that that Marlon Brando was quasi-seeing. So weird. So we first see uh, Ricardo Maltabon in his kabuki makeup. That's right. Which is fine. Mask and mask. Um, Yeah, which is fine because at least in the makeup, you can sit there going, he's playing a American or or somebody else. He's not playing a Japanese person. He's just in the makeup to make him look Japanese. And then he takes off the makeup and no, he's supposed to be Japanese. So so the so they they. Made prosthetics for his eyes, yeah, so it would look like his eyes were slanted. Right. And he, he even, I, I'm sure you picked up on this, but when he's talking, he tries to sound tries Japanese. Tries is the is the key word there. He <laughs> tries. Marlon Brando tries to have a southern accent in this movie. Mm. Ricardo Maltabon tries to be Japanese. The 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 Japanese racist aliens from Star Wars The Phantom Menace were less racist than yes. what I saw in this film. Yep. The the James Bond film where he pretends to be Asian by putting mascara on his eyes is less racist yeah. than what I saw in this film. Oh man, what like this movie is a gorgeous picture. Oh, it's very pretty. Like the the scene, like even the scenes where he's like he's waiting at the bridge, like oh, day in yeah. and day out. Mm-hmm. Like the rocks, like how each rock is like perfectly in place. That is like this movie is so beautiful. It makes my eyes hurt. Mm. But the beginning, Do your eyes hurt right now. Like kind of. Yeah. The beginning half too. hour is like so overtly racist, and then Ricardo Maltabon just being a Japanese character is overtly racist that I can't see how this movie gets nominated because aside from, I'll at least say the, the racism in the beginning kind of serves as a jumping off point for the character. So you can see his journey of change. Sure. But Ricardo Maltabon just like, it weighs this movie down to the point where I'm like, I, I, I can't, I, I don't understand the thought process. I, I honestly ha- – I had a really hard time getting into the film itself. Because of that? Uh, partly because of that. And also I just – I I it didn't n- – none of it really aged well except for the cinematography. Yeah. And so – and some of the music actually – the music the music was fine. And, and the, you know what? It just – the story didn't age well. Yeah. And, and the – and – like the the pacing of it, the the central conceit of the story to begin with, it, none of it is done with any form of sensitivity, or, and I mean there are there are things about it that are, I think at the time maybe we're trying to be sensitive, you know, like that that scene where Red Button's wife is gonna like he finds out that she's gonna have a surgery. I was actually just gonna bring to, that up to cor- yeah. like quote unquote correct her eyes to right. make them look American. to make them look American so he can so she can go to America. Right. Like that's a heartbreaking scene. That is. And while I feel like this movie tried to call attention to stuff like that and saying, look, this is stu-, like I believe that the 
base of the story was to call attention and be like, this is stupid. You know, why are we subjecting people to this, especially in the armed forces? But um, it doesn't it doesn't linger on these things enough. Right. You know, kind of like paint in place where this stuff kind of comes up and then it kind of gets brushed off really quickly Mm -hmm. for this other love story of the more notable Air Force pilot. Yep. You know, and even then, like, he doesn't really have the ability to affect the change that you feel like he should be able to. Mm hmm. Like I agree. at the end of the movie, it's just like, oh, by the way, you know, now you can bring your now you can bring your Japanese wife into America. Um, this movie was nominated for ten Oscars. Cinematography. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look at this list and try to figure out. Oh, that's what, fine. I'll, I can just tell you what it won. Fine, because it won four. Because I cinematography. Stop it. <laughs> Yes, it won cinematography, Good. okay? Except it didn't. Ah, oh, God. <laughs> uh, it won Costume. Best Supporting Actor for Red Buttons. Nope. It won Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Miyoshi Yumeki. Uh, Yumeki. Um, it won Best Art Direction Set Decoration. Okay. And it won Best Sound. It was nominated for Picture, Marlon Brando for Leading Actor, nope. Director, Adapted screenplay, cinematography, and editing. Should one cinematography? Um, I disagree with you. It was very pretty, but I don't. Th- but not, not, uh, not innovative enough for the Academy. Uh, I'm, not, yeah, not innovative enough. But I mean, I'm comparing it to the four other movies. Yeah, I, I, I am. Think it I am too. Better than I am too. Because a spoiler, Bridge Over River Kwai won Best Cinematography. Yeah, I, I know it, I and know. and that that I think cut, it, it nudges for for a couple of reasons, and I'll talk yeah. about it when we get to um, to River Kwai. I like River Red Kwai. Buttons. I always in this say movie, over. and I didn't realize um, it was Red Buttons because I'm more used to Red Buttons being a comedian. Sure, and this is more of a straight role, so I think that's why. Was he this wins. introducing Red Buttons, right? I think the credit it said, yeah. So, sorry. so, mm-hmm. so I was gonna say like they gave it to him because of his dramatic shift, but apparently not. Like apparently that's what he was. Yeah. Um, that being said, um, Marlon Brando's accent, uh, the director hated. Really? Yep. Uh, Marlon Brando in his in his Marlon Brandoist, you know, came on and was like. I'm going to do this in a nondescript Southern accent. And everyone was like, right. Cause you can't really do a Southern accent. And he's like, but that's, I'm, that's, right. that's why I'm going to do the, the nondescript. Yeah. One. Um, my favorite line that I've ever heard from a Marlon Brando story, uh, was when he was on the score. Oh, you have you know, a different that, Marlon Brando story than I do. Continue. That uh, was, I think his last movie, mm-hmm. um, with Robert De Niro and Ed Norton, I believe. Yep. And he was giving the director a hard time because in typical Marlon Brando fashion, he signed on for a movie he didn't really want to do. Mm. Um, And he was telling the director, like, you know, you need to give me my space. Let me do my Marlon Brando stuff. And the way he put it, you got to give me room to swing a cat, which to this day is my favorite analogy ever. That's hilarious. (laughs) Stay away from my cat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll share my Marlon Brando story. He and I were working together on a film. No, <laughs> no uh, 
my favorite is The Island of Dr. Monroe with Val Kilmer and Ron Perlman. The, I love that movie. Um, you might be the only one in human existence. <laughs> I, I might not even like that movie. I just a I just contrarian. Have the idea. Yes, no. I just yeah. have the idea that I like that movie. It also didn't. It also have um, um, the guy from Harry Potter. I that's very the, vague. The professor from um, vague still. prisoner of Azkaban. Um, David Lewis. Yeah, uh, it might have. I'm not positive. Pretty sure it does. Cool. Um, so my so here so the story is that Ron Perlman. Uh, was playing the like Oracle character and he was playing the character blind. Um, the way the makeup was that he, he literally couldn't see anything. Mm -hmm. And so Marlon Brando in typical Marlon Brando fashion, you know, demanded all these retakes and this and everyone, everything was super behind and over budget and all this stuff. And then at the, the last day of filming, Marlon Brando is like, what, what, why aren't you looking at me? And Ron Perlman's like, well, I'm blind. Like, I'm playing the character. <laughs> well, I didn't know you were blind. I would have played this scene totally differently if I knew you were blind. We got to do the whole thing over again. And the director was like, no, absolutely not. Shut up. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Yeah. And I did look it up. It is, yeah, David Thewis is the is the main guy. It is David Thewis. Yeah. Also with um, David the girl from The Craft. Whose name escapes me right now? Fruza Balk nailed it. That's not who I was going to pick. I'm going to move on to my last film, if yeah, you don't, if you don't mind. Do. Um, the Bridge on the River Kwai, directed by David Lean, written by Carl Foreman, Michael Wilson, based on the novel by Pierre Boulet, starring William Holden, Alec Guinness, Jack Hawkins, and Sesu Hayakawa. William Holden is sixth on the list of uh, most uh, nominated. Actors. Yep. Really? Um, yep. Who's second? Oh, who's, crap. Who's third? I know Jack Nicholson is a little bit higher on the list. Cool. Yeah. All right. He's not in this movie. Um, this sure? this movie is about British POWs in Japan who are, I say commissioned lightly, um, to build a bridge over the River Kwai. Um, and the... Uh, and Al Guinness's char character, Colonel Nicholson, kind of takes it. Is a Jedi. Is a Jedi. Uh, he kind of takes it upon himself to to make sure that the camp is being is following the Geneva Convention and the rules <laughs> of the Geneva Convention, and and what's allowed for prisoners of war and what's not. Uh, and then he kind of the. People question why he says, okay, let's build this bridge and build it well, and he, like we're going to do a great job. And people are like, why do we want to build the enemy's bridge well? And he says, because we want it as a symbol that even after this war is over, that that bridge, hopefully that will be important for for a better world, was still made by, was made by the British. So we're still important. And the bridge is really a metaphor for his own self-worth and what he feels is like what he feels he can accomplish as he's getting older in life. He's been in the military for 28 years, as he says, and like what mark on the world is he leaving behind? And this bridge to him subconsciously until he realizes it at the end of the film is, you know, this bridge is what he feels he has to leave on the world. Um, and I was not really... I was super excited to watch this movie. Um, 
and I really wasn't up on it until the last third, the last third. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I thought it really tied together and everything that I just said to you, I kind of figured out mm-hmm. in the third, in the third act. And I was like, Oh, this movie's brilliant. I understand why it won now. I may not necessarily agree with right. it, why, why it won. Um, so this movie's two hours and change. Two hours and 40 minutes. It's two right? hours and 40. It's a little too long. Yeah. As I could say about most of these films. I I told you this after I watched it. I didn't hate the movie. No. I, I thought it was all right. It's a little too long. Um, but cut I don't 40 understand minutes. how cut, it's... Cut like, 40 I don't minutes. understand how it's as long as it is. You know, I was... I figured Which it out. I guess is a good thing. I actually, fig- I actually figured it out. Um, it's that it... It just takes its time. It just, it's like a lot of shots are just people walking along the river. And they're get it's not extraneous, I guess, or or erroneous. I mean, they're not erroneous shots. It's people going where they need to go in the point in the story. But in, in a modern film, we would cut that out. It's, it's kind of like, what if someone was good at being Terrence Malick? Yeah. Oh my God. That's exactly what this is. Like, if this Terrence is a, Malick this, was good at what he does, this was you, you'd get Bridge on the River Quad. This this is this is a Terrence Malick film with characters I actually cared about, yeah. um, or at least with some kind of emotional resonance that wasn't brought about because it's a pretty sunset. So you know you can get into the metaphor of why we need to build the bridge correctly. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I know why we have to build the bridge correctly. One, you're building a bridge. We're prisoners of war. <laughs> you're, you're prisoners of war. So the better you do the job, like especially the way – because here's the thing. This is a prisoner of war movie that is kind of unlike most prisoners of war movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the little kind of stuff at the beginning where where Alec – where uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is like – You can say Alec Guinness. His name's Colonel Nicholson in the film. Um, where Nicholson's like, look – the officers can't be forced into labor because of the Geneva Convention. And uh, Saito is like, all right, you're going in the hot box. You and all of your commanding officers in the hot box. But aside from that, like, that's the worst thing Saito is ever shown doing. Agreed. Like, this is, this to me is like the friendliest POW camp of all time. No, sit, no I thought about this. It It's the... It's the it's the friendliest since that World War One movie we watched, the German POW. Oh camp, right, right, right. Yeah. They're just like, excuse me, we need to take your flutes. No, you can't have it. No, please, please give it to us. Please, please, please. I, we need to take that because your cause. You're, we're we're right. not sleeping well. Please, please, like collect them all here. Thank you very yeah. much. So we'll, we'll give you your meals. So thing. you need to. So if they work and they put in an actual, you know, good day's work. They're treated nicely. They're given food. Like, nobody seems malnourished. Yes, there's people that get hurt, but they go to the hospital area. They don't get put on duty. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so and I mean, certainly there, you there's... You this bridge so that way you stay on the good side of your captors. You know what it is? They tell us it's terrible. You know, people have died from sickness and mal- like a malaria or dysentery or right. whatever. But, but I we, don't ne- think... we don't see any of that. Right. But even then, like when you're telling me like, well, these people died of sickness. Well, I'm like, you're out in the jungle. Of course. There's probably not that like that's 
once you get sick, at that point, I think it's unavoidable. Sure. Um, so, so like that's one reason you build the bridge. The other reason you build the bridge, and this is why I thought he wanted to build the bridge. The entire movie is like, well, look, I think we're going to win this war. If we win this war, we're going to be in control of this area. Yeah, that's exactly. We're that's, building a bridge for us, right? That's that's partly what he. That's partly what he says to yeah. his troops. Um, while I don't think this suffers from the same problem as Peyton Place, as far as broad scope, mm-hmm. I do kind of wish the the side story of the American the, of the American escaping and then having to come back. Yeah. Like I wish that was completely thrown off. I agree, off com- the edge. completely unnecessary. It felt to me like, oh, American audiences can't handle watching a movie with all British people, so we need to have this um, American. And in then here. just give me, just give me the story of this camp. Um, yeah, I, I could have dealt with it. Even, even I, I did. I liked the like, the troops coming and they tried to blow up the bridge, and he's like, no, my bridge. All that I liked all of that, but I didn't need that American there. So. Um, before I get into a couple things about this movie, one... Weren't we already talking about no, a couple things like, about this movie? like factoid. Oh, okay. Um, so the ending where, like, so they think, they think, the Americans think the, the, the English guy's gone nuts because they're like, mm-hmm. why is he helping them? Alec Guinness. They're all I know, English. but I, I like to... Not say names. Right. Um... And even like at the end when 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 Nicholson's like, oh my god, what have I done? And then he collapses on the plunger and blows up the bridge. Yep. Like, no, you you don't want them to blow up the bridge because the train that's coming, you already said, is all of the sick and infirmed people from the camp. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that's the reason. Like, and it seems like the movie at the end forgets the reason why anybody does anything. Uh, a little bit. I mean, he falls on it. You know, he doesn't mean but to. But he's going. No, he's going to push the plunger. That's true, that. but it's still not his fault because he falls on it. Which I don't understand how he died because that mortar hits the water it was and real, he just kind of falls. It was real far away from him. I totally yeah. agree. I also like at the end where the where like the girls where the girls like back away from the guy from the mortar. He's like, they might have gotten captured. It's like no, everyone was already dead to begin with. Actually, there were a lot of guards on the bridge that were. Well, I guess they yeah, they're all dead now. Um, well, yeah. no, 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 like they were turning on him because of the mortar strike on near his own people. But uh, I'm like, sure. they're already dead. Hmm. 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 I don't know. Wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. Um, so factoids. Um, who, did you, who did you say wrote this? Um, this was, you, you thought the writers or the novel, Carl Foreman and Michael Wilson. So this movie was made during the blacklist period. Oh, really? McCarthyism. Yep. And fun fact, the two writers obviously did not win an Academy Award for the writing of this movie. The sole, the sole recipient of the Academy Award was, was Joseph McCarthy. Was the no. person who wrote the novel who did not speak nor write a lick of English. Pierre Boulet. Yep. Whoa. Um, later on, the Academy rectified this in the 80s and gave an award to the two writers. One had, had already passed on. Mm. 
and one actually passed on the day after it was announced. Whoa. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, so this movie does have some controversy tied to it. I wonder if the the court cases thing or, say, Peyton Place with the small town secrets and everything like that with the idea of McCarthyism and communism being so prevalent. I wonder if that's why we got a lot of court cases in films. It's, it's very possible. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, do you know the name of the song that they're whistling? No, but I know that it's spoofed in Spaceballs. It is. And it's actually the, it's actually the song, um, the college fight song from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Do, do. Peacocks, do, do. we're marching down do, the field. Peacocks, do, do. and do, do, we refuse do, do, to yield. Um, the name of that song, I believe, is called Hitler Only Has One Ball, or Hitler Has One Ball. <laughs> um, and that's the song Hitler that the director wanted. only has one ball. I don't know. Hitler. I don't know the lyrics. He only has um, one ball, Hitler. But the director really wanted them to come into that song, but the the studio was like, you can't do the lyrics. Sure. So he compromised by having just a whistling version. That's amazing. But like that scene, that scene where they're whistling and coming, like this is the most cheery POW camp. Like they're just marching along, well, whistling. They, I don't know. No, no, they're not cheery. They're defiant. There's a difference. They're <sighs> not like, woohoo, we're captured. It's more like you've captured us, but we're... You, we're not going to let you break our spirit, which is one Look, of the reasons that Alec Guinness wants them to work so well to build right. the bridge together because it's it's morale. Look, you may take their lives, but you'll never take their freedom. Exactly. Um, also, the end, the end music. I did like the music in this, and I'm but I'm going to joke on it because mm-hmm. the end music. Feels very like I was waiting for the cast of characters to come up Gilligan's Island style with like the circle yep, and totally. like a headshot with their names on. No, it. I completely, I completely agree. Um, like the music does a lot of diffusing. It seems yes, it does. It doesn't want it to get too serious, right? But as we already talked about, the camp isn't that bad to begin with, you know. So I, I it, it's diffusing almost a non-tension. Though I like how. Alec Guinness, like, he's smart. Captain Nichol- Colonel Nicholson is real smart in this film where he's like, I like that scene in the meeting where they're saying, like, we got to move the bridge and, you know, because of this. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, can you get us some, some tea, right? You can get us some tea and, like, oh, we can just eat in here, right? right. I love that. Colonel's like, yes, aha, uh-huh, I guess do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, uh, and this is loosely based on a true story. Yes, that's right. Um, that is correct. The the shot at the end, we were we were – talking before we started recording that so the spoiler they blow up the bridge we've already kind of talked about it they blew up a real bridge mm-hmm. that they built for the film yep. and crashed a, a real train that they had purchased yeah um so and I think filled it with real people that for realism <laughs> yeah um so i think watching the the last 15 minutes of this film, like the way the tension kind of ratchets up with the way the sound kind of like the tension builds as the train is coming closer because you can hear yeah. it coming closer and closer and closer. I watching all of that happen. I w- and then the train coming in and the bridge blowing. I was like, and there's best picture right there. It's, I really it's like that. The, it's I really that like the bit. end. I do too. Although I didn't agree with everything that happens. I, I think the end is really good. Um, and this this movie is good. It's good. Yeah, it is good. It's just too long. 
see, like I don't feel I don't feel the length, but I sit there and go, I don't know what filled in this movie. I'm telling you, people walking. Yeah, that's what filled I'm in not the movie. You're wrong, but I'm just saying, like it's a weird it's a weird dichotomy of it doesn't feel slow. But at the end of the movie, I don't see where the two hours and 40 minutes went. I agree. I Yeah. No, I, I get it. Walking. Um, <laughs> Terrence um, Malick shoots birds. Dave McLean shoots people walking. This, it's not Dave McLean. Um, <laughs> we, we talked about the cinematography of Sayonara. And I think this this film has tons of aerial shots a lot of helicopter yep. shots and shots of the jungle and sunsets and whatever else and i and they shot on location uh and so or close enough they mm-hmm. shot in modern day sri lanka so it was it, it was it was a tr- very treacherous shoot for everyone and so the like what they filmed where they were i totally got why it won cinematography because it was is a good looking film and you can watch it in 4k now. And yeah, so it's a really good looking film. Uh, I don't know. Like I feel like it gets the, I feel like it gets the award just because they were dumb enough to film in those locations. Well, I don't think they had a choice really. As opposed to, I think out of the two, I think Sayonara is a much better looking picture. Mm, personal aesthetic. Perhaps you don't like the, you don't like wilderness. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I hate trees. You do hate trees. And we're not I, kidding here. I I fully, fully, I fully endorse the destruction of the rainforest. <laughs> I fully acknowledge the purpose trees have. Mm-hmm. And we need them. I just don't like them. We have an, we have an ongoing blood feud. You have an understanding. Yeah. <laughs> if The Happening was a real movie, yeah. you would die. Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie won seven awards. Picture, mm-hmm. actor for oh. Alec Guinness. Really? Director, um, adaptive screenplay, cinematography, editing, and music. On the other five movies, I'm fine with this getting music. Although I did like the music of Peyton Place. Um, I'm fine with this getting music. Yep, but I, I'm fine with it music. Editing, I might, I, 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 I would have given to 12 Angry Men, okay. I think. Cinematography, I might also give to 12 Angry Men because making a small room work is yeah. is impressive. Although this movie was good and so was Sayonara. I'll give it adapted screenplay. Might give that, probably would like to give that to um, uh, Witness, for the, Witness for the Prosecution. Yeah. Director, I'll give it considering where they were and the problems they had to deal with. Um, actor, so Alec Guinness mm-hmm. didn't know, like, thought he was doing awful work on this right, film. Yeah, like, like they actually had to have a screening, a special of a a screening of, of the of the dailies for yeah. him, so he and his family could see. And then afterwards, he thanked he yeah. thanked uh, he thanked the director and was like. Okay, I got it now. Thank you so much. Yeah. Like, I know what I'm doing. I also, very interesting, he based, so when he's in the hot box oh, and he I comes and he gets out of the, right, he gets out of the hot box, he based his dehydrated walk off of his son who is recovering from polio yep. and considers it some of the finest acting he's ever done. Yeah, take that, Star Wars. Take that. Some of the finest acting, <laughs> not the finest acting. Don't get, don't, don't, <laughs> don't go there. Um, yeah, he he is really good in this movie, and this movie is really well acted between Saido and yeah. Oh, he was great. Guinness. Yeah, 
this movie was great. It's just I just thought it was a little too long. Like you said, that it's a, it's 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 a thin film. Whereas Peyton Place was like it was too jam packed. This movie's yeah. rather thin. Um, but like the correlation between you know the bridge and and Alec Guinness's character, like and then and then how Saito like interplays in that, right? And how they're like two uh, two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, it just could have been a little shorter. So mm-hmm. that being said, the best picture goes to let's open this envelope. Goes it's to prosecution. I'm my personal taste says witness for the prosecution. Mm-hmm. My this is the academy says says River Kwai. Okay, um, but I personally like witness for the prosecution more so you're so i you're yeah. you're really just like look i really say witness for the prosecution as academy tim i say bridge on the river uh, yeah mostly as teacher tim i say paint and plays you know no i will not say that no <laughs> i would still say maybe witness for the prosecution maybe bridge or for i might do both um, you have to choose one. I don't want to. <laughs> um, I, I'll say River Kwai okay. just because of because of the impressiveness of the cinematography and the special effects, and and the the layer the layers of of symbolism of story. I don't. Um, there's something to unpack in River Kwai. Yeah. Whereas they really isn't that in witness for the prosecution it's just a good mystery that's a, that's fun a, to watch it's a good mystery it's fun to watch it ages well yeah but it um, but none of it is but but it doesn't go any deeper than that no but i honestly but to me like you have all of these meta things in bridge on the river Kwai mm-hmm. that i don't get sure so to me it's just a movie that i don't think was as good as witness for the prosecution although it was good Probably the second best film of the year. Okay, um, River Kwai or yeah. Witness for the Prosecution. So, like, I would wa- I would watch Bridge on the River Kwai again. Yeah, uh, I would too. Definitely. And I would and I wouldn't and I would do so unbegrudgingly. Okay, um, but I don't find it nearly as good as people. I seem to me to make it out. Um, I I. I think a, I think for me at least, uh, witness for the prosecution has everything I want in a film. Does everything at least well, if not really well. Whereas the other movies in this year tend to have a lot of subpar areas, um, even to the extent of like Bridge on the River Kwai. My biggest my biggest knock against it is the other storyline. Mm-hmm. And it feels like you need that other storyline to have the to have the the time, mm-hmm. but I don't care. Okay, it's all fair. Yeah, it's all fair. So let's wrap it up. Wrap it. Wrap it with a bow. <laughs> um, that's being it wrapped. So you can find us on Academy Rewind on Twitter and Gmail. You can find all of the Thought Bubble Audio shows at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. You can head over to thoughtbubbleaudio.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio 
to check out all of the Patreon-y things on Patreon. Did I say Patreon or Thought Bubble Audio slash Thought Bubble Audio? You said Thought Bubble Audio slash Thought Bubble Audio. I thought so. I had no idea where you were going with that. Patreon.com slash Thought Bubble Audio to check out Patreon and support the show or any of our – and all of our other ones such as Hate Watch with Us, Supergirl TV Talk, Beer with Geeks, and Starkville's House of El Krypton. Um, all of that being said, you can also – Find us on all places podcasts can be found and rate and review us on the iTunes store. I have in Apple Podcasts, I should say, and I have a review here Ooh. Uh, from K Smartwood. Five stars, a must listen. Most of these movies I've I've heard of, but have never seen. Love getting the recap on all of these and then deciding which to add to my to watch list. I think if you gave yourselves more time with Gigi, you'd appreciate it more. It's just such a great soundtrack. <laughs> I agree. It is a great it soundtrack. Does have a really that good was, soundtrack. That was one of my favorite bits of the movie. Yeah. I should try it again. I actually have fond memories of watching Gigi, even though I, <laughs> for whatever reason, it's a film that to, pops into my head more often than not. I have to go back and listen to uh, my thoughts on Gigi to find out exactly. Like, I, I don't I was, think you were that up on it. Well, he was creepy. The old man was creepy. <laughs> Maurice Chevalier was yeah. not creepy. We're gonna he, lo- was, he was singing. Look, we're going. We're we're leaving now. We're, we're I'm gonna make you. We're gonna listen to the soundtrack in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I think they are playing us off. No, I have so many more people to thank. Well, too bad. Bye. Bye.